Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. I don't, I don't know if uh, many of you listen to comedy at all, but our, our family likes Jim Gaffigan. And um, there's one laughter over here. So I know somebody else knows, knows who Jim Gaffigan is. And he has this little um, thing about North Korea. He says that when he goes in, in other countries, he either tells people he's from Canada um, because he doesn't want to say anything bad about the U.S., or he tells them he's from North Korea if he wants respect. And, and so he figures he'll get respect if he tells them he's from North Korea. And then he started, you know, he starts to talk about how crazy North Korea is. And he goes, you know, then you hear that they, they have a missile that can uh, reach Alaska. And he's like, well, I don't know anybody from Alaska. Who cares? And, and then he goes, oh, now they're reporting they can hit California. And he goes, well, I don't go to the West Coast that much. Who cares? And then he goes, oh, now they can reach the East Coast? Well, somebody's got to do something about this. And, and I think, you know, as, as silly and as funny as he was telling this joke, there is so much truth to that statement. And when all of a sudden something begins to affect us, all of a sudden we care, and all of a sudden we are passionate about this subject. But if it doesn't touch us, then it's just like it's over on the West Coast. Uh, who cares, right? And we are, have been seeing this a lot when it comes to um, what's been happening in the last couple of weeks with, with shootings, and, um, and, and it's just been terrible this year. And, you know, when it, when it, I just kind of want to share with you a little bit where, where I stand when it comes to politics and, and different areas, is that I, I've, through the years, I, I've seen churches, I've seen pastors become um, very, very political, and people who are very political, they want a lot of times their pastor to agree with them, and they assume that, that they're in agreement, and so there, there's like this kind of hopeful. They need to talk more about these things, and what I've discovered is because of the divisiveness of politics, that if I were to take a stance, a very strong stance on, on any candidate or anything like that, what would happen is, is that now you wouldn't be able to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ from me, okay? And so for me, as, as your pastor, my priority is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want that to be the divisive peace. Because the scripture says that, that the gospel is the thing that divides even bone from marrow. The, the, it is the truth of Scripture. And, and I really, really want that to be, if there is any kind of separation, that that's where it is. But when it, when it comes to things, there are times that I just feel it's really important because uh, there are things happening around us and we are really trying to figure them out. And, and another thing is, is when we come to church, now, I, I, haven't, I didn't go to Bible school and then just go right into ministry. Jana and I have worked many secular jobs. We, we worked in very difficult and very dark environments. And a lot of times, you know, I recall going to church and I needed a break from the world. I needed to be able to separate myself out from everything on social media, from the, just the grossness that can be on you from a day's work or things going on with your family or just the weight of the world. And, and then to come into church and then all of a sudden be hit with more 
um, the pastor's opinions about something. I don't think that's the way that it should be. I think that, that we should come to church and it should be the word of God speaking to our hearts and that is what changes us. It is the scripture. It is the word that, that does that. But there are also times that things are just really among us and I think that as a church we also need to, there are times to address things and just kind of just kind of help direct in how to deal with the weight of the world. And, um, you know, uh, there was an NPR journalist who um, he experienced, he was reporting on uh, what was happening when there was chemical attacks in Syria. And in all of his writings and everything that he was taught, he could never use the word evil because it was a social construct. So there was really nothing like evil. Like there, there was, it was just a made-up term. But after he experienced what was happening in Syria, he said that there were all these words he tried to use and there was nothing that could fit it. And he said actually being there, he said there was a tangible feeling of evil. That they could actually feel it. Then there was this psychiatrist who was not a Christian psychiatrist, who was dealing with the exact same thing. He said that he was meeting with this young man, and this young man, his brother, had committed suicide with a 22 rifle. And it was, it was just horrific. And so this, this teenager was meeting with the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist was working with this young man. And then the boy came and said that his parents gifted him a 22 rifle. And the psychiatrist went, oh my, I need to meet with these parents. What are they thinking? And went even further to find out that it was the same 22 rifle that the brother had used. And this psychiatrist said the exact same thing that this journalist said. He said, he said I, we could not, I was, I was collaborating with my professionals and we're trying to figure out what is this. Because when he confronted the parents, they would not accept that they did anything wrong. And the only word that the psychiatrists and their team could come up with was the word that they were not ever supposed to use, and it was evil. And he said, when these parents were in my room, he said, they didn't look evil, but I felt it. And this young man ended up becoming saved and sharing this testimony. And this young man says that he has gone into prisons, and he, when he goes into prisons and is ministering, he doesn't feel evil like he does when he's around his parents. Isn't that remarkable? The psychiatrist went on to say that we're, when it, people will not even accept that what they're doing is evil is really when there's evil. So right or wrong, I believe that any given Sunday that we are coming in sometimes with the weight of the world and there are times that we need to address it as a church. Now, as a church, your relationship with Jesus means everything to us. It's where everything starts and ends, the way that we treat people, the way that we talk to people. It is all about Jesus. And even when there's divisions among us, we can go, am I being Jesus to this person? Because the only thing that matters is their relationship with Jesus. It really changes the vision and the way that how we look at things. Now, like Jana was saying last week, we went 
and uh, we got to be a part of general counsel. Um, there were 21,000 people total between fine arts and a conference and the meeting. And uh, at one point, there were about 1,300 of us that were, were voting. And it was good. It was, it was really good. So when we go, we're representing our church. And it's really good to be a part of that and to see the future of the Assemblies of God and, and where we're going. And Jaina mentioned the SpaceX launch and the technology. And it was, it was just... It's almost unfathomable, you know, and you're watching, wow, that is just amazing. And what happens and when we use your phones to think that our technology is sending a text message and we get irritated and we're like, dude, that went up to space and back, right? It's kind of like this, oh my goodness, the technology is advancing. And it is advancing. And actually, it's absolutely impossible for us to keep up with all the modern advances of today. It is impossible. And I'm not just talking about your phones and that kind of technology and having the latest and greatest. I'm talking about medical advances, the studies that they're finding about our earth and about space. There is no way that one person could, could be up on everything, no matter how hard they tried. So when you look at uh, human history, we try and categorize things. We have the Bronze Age that led into the Iron Age, that led into the Middle Ages, to Renaissance, to the Industrial Age, and now we are in the Information Age. And some people are predicting that we're going to go to the Infrastructure Age, which essentially means that we're taking all of this information that we have, and, and there's so much of it, there's no way that anybody could deal with it, but it's now creating pathways of actually putting it together and making it work. And that's going to take a very, very long time. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that, that is kind of the way that, that some people are looking at it right now. So, so what? Well, it may be difficult for us to, to wrap our, our minds around this, but at each advancement, so for example, from bronze to iron, it changed everything. It, it changed absolutely everything. It, it was um, essentially like... Um, coming up with nuclear power or gunpowder. It was all of these advancements changed society. It changed the world. And when the culture began to shift away from bronze and tin, people began to understand how to heat fire up enough to be able to now bend and, and use iron. And, and so now, all of a sudden, people groups began to emerge and take over other people groups that were never in power before. And so the world began to change. Now, some scholars believe that this is the age in which King David came in. And so, if you know the story, you know that King Saul had been chasing David, and at times he was with the Philistines, and the Philistines, when they've unearthed and done all sorts of archaeological digs, have found they had a ton of iron during that time. And so it is believed that David was able to take that technology and God was able to use him to be able to grow Israel and defeat the Philistines and people around him because of the age of time that this was happening. Now, in 1 Samuel 25, I think I have the, it up for you, Blake. Uh, 1 Samuel 25, starting at verse 32. Now, this is a story of Abigail and David. And I love this story. And what was happening is Abigail was this beautiful, wise woman. She was married to this terrible, terrible guy named Nabal. And his name means fool because that's who he was. And so David was, was out with his men and they were protecting 
Nabal's men who were shepherding and out there working. And his men, the men said that they were like, David's men were like a wall to them of protection. And so one day, David heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. There was no proper introduction. And so what he did is David sent some of his men and said, hey, go down to Nabal and say, hey, we've been out here and we just, we just need some food. Would you be able to supply us? We've been taking care of all of your people. And Nabal was so foolish, he was so ignorant and so proud that he began to badmouth David. He began to say just terrible and awful things about him. Now, word got back to David, and David was like, really? And he looks at his guys, and he says, strap up. We're going to go clean house right now. Now, Abigail, the wife, discovered what had happened. Some of the workers, instead of going to Nabal, the foolish owner, wealthy owner, went to the wife, and he, they went to her and said, this is what's happening. With wisdom, with discretion, with discernment, she immediately went into action. She goes out and she begins to plead with David. So here, this is now the encounter. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment, for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Now, this didn't end the wisdom from Abigail. She went back and she was going to tell Nabal what had happened and what she had done. <clears throat> but Nabal was drunk, he was partying, and so she had the wisdom to wait. And so she waited, and the next morning, she waited again for him to be able to come to his senses, and it says that she went and told him what happened. And it's, the Bible tells us that he, his heart froze and for 10 days, he was in like a coma state, and then he died. And what, one of the things I love about this story is not only are we seeing the absolute wisdom and discretion from this godly woman, God ended up restoring her as well. As soon as David heard, he goes, ask her to be my wife. Send for her right now. Because he's thinking, I need a woman of this caliber and this kind of wisdom married to me. And that's exactly what happened. And we see the restoration of a woman. Now, Nabal cursed David's blessing. Nabal didn't even know his own business and what was happening. The staff went to Abigail knowing that Nabal was a total fool. What did she do? She made haste. She responded quickly. She didn't even tell her husband because she knew that he would have acted foolishly. And what was remarkable is that she actually took the blame. When she went and humbly went before David, she took the blame as if she had made that decision herself. She had so much discretion. Today, with all of our advancement, 
in light of all of our information, in all of our incredible heaps of data and information gathering, there is still no cure for evil. There is no amount of gene editing that can be done to root out evil. There is not enough human psychology that can fix a malicious soul. We are told throughout Scripture that the heart of man is bent towards evil. The world around us, and and there have been plenty of of studies that that have, have asked this question, and the world responds to evil by saying people are generally good, which is not actually the Christian response. And the world's response is to create programs, to pass laws, or to demonize the tools used for destruction. Friends, I'm, I'm all for common sense approaches to minimize um, ill people from getting weapons. I'm all for things like this. But people set on evil and destruction will always find ways to do it. Now, if you're younger, you're probably not even going to believe what I'm about to tell you right now, but you don't have to. The Washington Post in February um, did a study on the amount of school shootings or um, of gun violence and things from as far back as they could go. And from the early 90s, we don't even have, we're at about 50% compared to where the violence was in the beginning 90s. But you wouldn't know that by reading the news today. Between the 90s and 94, there was um, in... Huffington Post, um, CNN, all sorts of main um, news articles, they were publishing that there were 255 mass shootings so far just in 2019. And what they didn't tell you unless you had you dug deep and went in is that they were using all sorts of gang turf war shootings and drive-by shootings in all of these statistics. And this is why, if you look in your bulletin, you will see that I have, I have three Ds because I heard pastors should have letters that correspond with each other. So <laughs> the first one is discernment. Friends, please, please be careful what you post online. Please read. Please find a backup account of what we really need to have wisdom We really need to have discernment and we need to understand that the things that we maybe read that that make us just, I mean, I've read things that just make me go crazy and I'm like, I can't believe this and then I want to share it. And I remember in 2016, I couldn't believe what I was reading and I may have even shared it and this may have been a lesson for me, I don't remember, but I find out that was one of the fake news things that, that people were putting out, you know. And here, I was actually, I got caught up into some of these stories and statistics. And and friends, we really need to have discernment now. And, And actually, what countries have been learning and what people have been learning is by throwing so much information out that they put just enough facts inside of there embedded somewhere that it tires people out. And so we have to be people that are like Abigail, in understanding what is going on around us and discerning what we're seeing and what is happening. Because here's the deal. When an evil person gets married, the spouse, the kids, extended family, 
all suffer. When an evil person owns a business, they are unscrupulous, they're immoral, and anyone who deals with them, they suffer. When an evil person enters politics, evil always follows. When an evil person is bent towards destruction, they will find any means to do that. Mankind has always had to deal with evil, and what we are seeing today is no different. It is no different. So why did I bring up about the advancements in technology and about misinformation? Because the world has no answer for evil. They try to deny it. People say that humans are generally born good, but that is just not the truth. Deuteronomy 30 15 through 20. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land and you are crossing in the, to the, from the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've talked about this before, that this is an if-then promise. If you love the Lord your God, if you walk in his ways, if you keep his commandments and statutes, then... You shall live and multiply. Then you will he will bless you in the land you are entering and you will take possession of it. But, then there's the but. If you don't, your hearts will turn away. You will no longer hear and you will be drawn away by the things of this world. Israel shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter and possess is what it says. So verse 19, it says, I have set before you life, I have set before you death. In the beginning of, of Deuteronomy 30, it says, you have a blessing and you have a curse and you have a choice. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, friends, we are to choose life. This means that you and I have an active role. We ourselves are to choose the way that we live and, and the way that we conduct our, our business and our relationships with people. We must be like Abigail and not allow the filth of this world to contaminate us. I mean, think of this. It, it, the scripture doesn't tell us how long that Abigail was with this foolish man named Nabal. We, we, have, we have no clue. But can you imagine how difficult it would be to be married to somebody that was as dark and as sinister as this man and not to allow you to be affected? I can't, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. I can't imagine being able to become moral and, and try and, and live 
ethically and, and live in honor to God when being surrounded by filth. But really, let's face it, friends. We are surrounded by Nabal. We are surrounded by foolish people that are claiming things that are right and they are not. We need to be like Abigail. Proverbs 25, 26 says, Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are righteous people, are, are good, righteous people that give way to the wicked. People that allow the world to pollute them become like a poisoned well that you can't even drink. James 127, it's a scripture that I absolutely love because it tells us as a church what we should be doing. It says, religion in God our Father accepts as pure and as faultless as this to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And we go, amen. But then it says something else. It says, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Isn't that interesting? We need to take care of the widows and the orphans. Everybody says, hallelujah, let's do it. And then all of a sudden, we go, hold on a second. It also says not to be polluted by the world? Well, I mean, what's a little pollution, right? I can deal with a little bit. It, it all of a sudden begins to change things when they are together. That yes, we are to take and be able to help the most vulnerable and to help those in need. Last, uh, right before we left, it was a, um, I, I, it was just, I, it was just such a moving time, and, and the, the Campbells have, um, you know, Jarrett lost his mother-in-law, Denise, her mom died while in Africa, and um, this Saturday, we're hosting their funeral. And part of this is because of the generosity of our church. We took an offering for this family, and we were able to write a check um, two, sun two Sundays ago now for $2,000. And I, I was so moved by this and by the generosity of our church that we were able to, to act as the church because this is exactly what I, I believe that what the scripture talks about. I mean, their family has now grown. They now have um, a, a new daughter, so to speak, that they came from Africa and, and are here. She's here. She's already enrolled in school. And we, as a church, I look at this, and I think we were acting as the scripture says that pure religion is this, to take care of and look after the orphans and the widows. And we got to do that. We got to do that. But let me ask you, church, are we continuing with this scripture to keep oneself from being polluted by the world? And let me tell you that for me, this is something that I have to look at often. There are things that just kind of slowly work its way in, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and speak to us and say, why are you watching that? Why are you watching that? Why are you listening to that? Why are you in this space right now? And this is where we need to listen to the Holy Spirit 
And we need to realize when we are becoming like Nabal. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else, and it is desperately wicked or desperately sick. And then it says, Who can understand it? Jeremiah 7.24 says, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels in the stubbornness of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Matthew 15, 18 through 19 says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, and slanders. And then listen to what God said of man in Genesis 8, 21. This is after the flood. He said, For the intent of man's heart is evil from youth. We have to be people of discernment. A synonym for discernment is judgment. We need to be able to rightly determine and judge what is happening around us. Next is discretion. The verse says that David looked at Abigail and said, because of your discretion... She was a woman of discretion. We need to be people like Abigail, poised with wisdom. She saved the entire family because of what she did and the way that she responded. They would have all died because of the foolishness of her husband. And we, as being separated from this world, that we are not going to be polluted from it, we have to be people that can be people of discretion. The Spirit always leads towards truth. The Spirit will always lead us in the way of love, in the way of joy, in the way of peace, in the way of forbearance, in the, in the way of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the characteristics of God, which is the opposite of evil. So for you today, are you discerning? what is being put before you? Are you rightly judging what you are seeing from day to day? Are you like Abigail? And are you living in a, in a world that should be corrupting you, but somehow you are being separated because you are a child of God? Therefore, choose life. This is what God is saying to us, friends. Therefore, choose life. You have a choice. There's a blessing and there is a curse. There is right and there is wrong. God is with us. His spirit is with us. He is among us and he is helping us. Are you leaning upon him today? I'll take that as an amen back there. Would you please stand? Would you um, please put up Psalm 23 for us? We're going to read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake.
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pastor Callie, could you come up and play quietly for us? As Christ followers, I believe that the Bible gives us clarity um, on how, how to live. Discernment. We cannot just take everything that we hear and take it as fact. We need to judge rightly. We need to ask God for help and understanding. Discretion. We need to be like Abigail. We need to be people that will be unscathed by the evil around us and the world around us. And the last one is dependence. Jesus was clear that when he was walking on this earth, he did nothing that he did not see the Father in heaven doing. He did nothing. We are to be people of his spirit. We must be dependent on the leading of the Holy Spirit to direct us after the ways of Christ. Are you dependent on the Spirit of God? Are you living in a way that the Holy Spirit can speak to you? Or are you so much polluted by this world that you don't even know if you could hear the voice of God? And so there, there's just two things that I, I feel like every message that we need to have some way that we can respond to something. Because, you know, maybe you're in a place right now where you're like, yeah, well, this message doesn't pertain to me at all. But... I believe that there are some here that are. And there are two things that I, I want us to just be able to have an opportunity to respond to. First of all, is if you are dealing with anxiety, if you are dealing with fear because of all the things that are happening in this world, I, I think you should come and put them at the feet of Jesus. Okay? Come and put them at the feet of Jesus. And, and I, I don't know how that would look for you. Maybe it's you just need to physically look at the things that are causing fear. And this is something I, I'm just telling you from personal experience. What I've done is I have spoken out the things that are causing me fear and anxiety as if I'm putting them in my hands. Lord, this is, this is so heavy. And as, as you're praying and, and as, as the Lord is working in you, to begin to lift them up to God to the point where you feel a release and then you worship. Because, I, friends, some of you are carrying heavy, heavy weights that you were never intended to carry. And secondly, there may be some here that are like, I have become polluted. I have become polluted. I have, I have allowed the navels around me to get on me and I, I need something needs to change here and I, I just want there to be an opportunity for this kind of response now we have a, a couple people um, some of our prayer team I want to invite you to come and, and to just pray with people maybe you can just at your seat just take a moment but I also want to 
invite a time to come to the, come to the altar. And, and if, you, if you just want to be left alone, just come to the side and pray. That's fine. You can kneel or, or whatever. But it is so imperative. This, I, I just believe this message is so important for us because without us even realizing it, we will become the world. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and, and um, I, I just am so grateful that we get to read your word, Lord, of, of, of what you say in, in Psalms 23, that you will actually prepare before our enemies, Lord Jesus, a table. What a powerful word, Lord, that, that you give us of peace. But Lord, we also are just carrying burdens from, from this world. And so, Lord, I just ask for you to come. Lord, I ask for you to reveal to people, Lord, where, where the world has begun to pollute our minds, Lord Jesus, and our hearts. Lord, I ask that you purify us today. In the name of Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.